Brother Ken, let's remain standing for prayer this morning. I've got several prayer requests that I want to give you very quickly uh, before we go to the Lord in prayer. First of all, uh, continue to pray for Sister Nadine Allen. Uh, she has come home from the hospital, uh, got long ways of recovery. She's unable to have visitors right now due to a, a suppressed immune system. I told her I would pass that along, but she's 
I certainly want you to pray for Brother James Edwards continued to lift him up, physical needs, and then his sister went home to be with the Lord uh, uh, recently, so pray for that family. Uh, pray for Brother Johnny Martin. Uh, Brother Johnny's been battling for months now and uh, didn't want me to say anything, but he gave me permission over the weekend to share with the church. Pray for Brother Johnny. Lots and lots of health issues there. He's up in Roanoke Hospital. Pray for Brother Johnny. And then we just heard that Haley Helbert's husband, Taylor, his grandmother's in the hospital uh, waiting for a blood transfusion. So pray for that family and pray for services today. If you're glad to be in God's house, say amen. We're glad to see you on this Sunday before Christmas. James, son, take us to the throne of grace. Let's pray together this morning. James. Father, we thank you for once again allowing us to come here to this place to worship you. Lord, we thank you for providing the, the facilities. And Father, it, during this time of the year, we do tend to reflect. And Father, we do thank you for sending your son to die for us. And Father, of course, we are aware that we are grateful for that all year round. But Father, it is during this time of the year where we pause to commemorate that day that all history began to change. Lord, we know that you planned this, that uh, uh, none of these things in history, Father, took you by surprise. But in your plan, you sent your son to die for us to uh, make yourself a, a people, a special people. Father, we thank you for making us into your people. Father, we can never thank you enough for sending us your son to die for us. And Father, we do pray today that if someone does not know Christ as the Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of their salvation. Father, we also pray that during this Christmas season, as we rightly are joyous and happy at this occasion, Father, we pray that our joy would not be based in the holiday or the seasons, but Father, our joy would be based in the fact that we know that this time of year our Savior came and died for us. Father, we love you, and we can never thank you enough. And it's through your Son we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated this morning. We want to thank you for being here. This Sunday before Christmas, I want you to reflect on the simple reality that all of human history boils down to one event. And it is the day that Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, was born into this world. Wasn't laid in a palace fit for a king, but was laid in a simple manger. And all of history can be traced to the day when the King of Kings became mortal, took upon himself the robe of flesh. I love to hear Brother Scott sing this song, O Holy Night. Sing it, buddy.
His glory to She sings, I think, one of our favorite songs in the church. God's been good. Lately I've been looking back Along this winding road To the old familiar markers Of the mercies I have There's no better way to tell you than to say God's been good in my life. I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams as I go to sleep each night. I face my great 
greatest fears. You see, I've had more gains than losses, and I've known more joy than hurt. As His grace rolled down upon me, undeserved, God's first verse Bethany keep playing babe I want her to start over and sing this song again I know we got a lot of visitors this morning but this is the kind of the way we operate around here if God speaks to you altar is always open it's be a good time for you to make your way up here I know it gets crowded with the setup here but there's always room at the altar this would be a real good time for you to come up here and thank God for how good he's been to you Maybe there's somebody in here this, this morning that you know has been praying for you through your hard times. This would be a good time to let them know you love them and you appreciate what they've done for you. Start over, Bethany. Sing that song again, honey. Lately I've been looking back along this winding road. To the old familiar markers of the mercies I have known. I know it may sound simple, but it's more than a cliche. There's no better way to tell you than to say. Wouldn't change. 
times we play and I can see I've cried some bitter tears but I felt his arms around me as I faced my greatest fears you see I've had more gains than losses and I've known more joy than
that chorus together. Sing it with us now. Ready? Here we go. God's been good. In my life, Amen. y'all could see it from up here. There's red everywhere. If I didn't know better, I think it's Christmas. Amen. Thank you for coming out this Sunday morning before Christmas. I've got several announcements and some things to do just before we let the little ones head out for Children's Church and Junior Church. First of all, I uh, want to thank everybody uh, for those that came out for our Christmas drama last weekend, those that helped. I said it a lot last week, but I'll say one more time. The time and energy and dedication that went into this is uh, really spectacular, and I am so grateful for everybody uh, doing your part. Whatever you did, whether you were on stage, parking lot, nursery, backstage, whatever you did, we are so grateful for all of that. Let me remind you of a few other things. First of all, tithing envelopes for 2019 are available. If you haven't gotten yours, please make sure you do because we don't want to rob you of a blessing. Say amen. <laughs> December the 31st, Monday, December the 31st, a week from tomorrow, watch night service 
at Wayside Baptist, uh, my father-in-law's church. It starts at 7.30. Uh, several preachers will be preaching. They do breakfast at midnight, so keep that in mind if you would. Of course, tonight and Wednesday night, there are no services in honor of our Christmas holiday. Uh, and then a new announcement that is in the bulletin, actually a couple of new announcements. Uh, we are looking as our spring semester kicks off for uh, Cornerstone Bible College here at the church. Uh, we're looking for folks to assist with meals. They've got about 12 folks. Uh, the semester begins Tuesday, January the 15th. This is a joint ministry between us and Faith Baptist. We take the first eight uh, uh, meals and uh, Faith Baptist does 9 through 16. Renee and I are doing number 1 and 2. So uh, we're looking for folks who would be willing to help us out in that capacity. You can the postal area over there. And then I should have had this in months ago, uh, but uh, we have an online directory uh, uh, that contains all of our information. Your ability to access that and how you access that is in your bulletin. Uh, it is password protected. So we put the password in the bulletin, ask that you keep that to yourself. Uh, it's directory information. You could find the stuff online, but nonetheless, we do keep it password protected. All of that information is in there. So uh, please take advantage of that. Thank you to those that uh, came out this morning for the baby shower. Uh, I'm going to respectfully ask that you stay around for a few minutes after services today so that we can go downstairs and get that child care center set back up as a uh, licensed child care center. We appreciate everyone's help. If you would do that for us, it would be much, much appreciated. Then uh, uh, I, I want to uh, share this with you. Uh, Brother Danny, how many years did your dad pastor here, buddy? 35? I knew it was 30-some. Uh, uh, Mrs. Moore, the pastor's wife, uh, uh, Joanna Moore, Joanne Moore's 80th birthday is coming up. So down in Robbins, North Carolina, the church they attend now, Acred Ridge Baptist Church, they are doing an 80th birthday celebration for her this coming Saturday from 2 to 4, floating, and they're asking for no gifts. Just come and enjoy the fellowship. If you're not able to go, those of you that know Pastor and Ms. Moore, I'd encourage you to drop them a line, Facebook. Uh, past, I know Miss Moore does, Pastor Moore does. Let let them know you appreciate the years of service they put in here at SAG. Oh, well, it wasn't SAGBC then. It was Stanleytown Baptist Church then, uh, and I know they would certainly appreciate that. Just before the little ones come, uh, uh, Renee and I have got a couple of things that we want to give out. James, where'd you go, buddy? Come here. Lydia, come up here. Help us out. You're still part of the pastor's family, even though you changed your last name. Come on. <laughs> Amen. They're all right there. Hurry, 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 hurry. You moved out of my house, but I don't mean you can go slow. Hurry up. Amen. Every year at Christmas, uh, Renee and I like to do a little something special for the leadership and the page staff here at the church. I was kidding Renee. I said, you know, the wedding didn't break as Christmas will. Amen. Uh, but uh, this is our thank you to the leadership here at the church. Uh, we've got something special for Ken and his family. Of course, that's our family now since our kid's married. But I want to do this for our deacons and their wives and then our page staff as well. So let's start. Brother Scott and Miss Teresa, come on up here. We love you guys. Get your camera ready, buddy, if you would. We want to say a big thank you to them. Amen. I wrapped all this myself. Thank you, Miss Teresa. We love you guys. Uh, we appreciate you all so very much. Get a big picture of them. Smile big at the bald head guy in the back. All right. Thank you, guys. And then our deacons. I don't know which order you got them. You bring them to me. And there was Brother Tim, Miss Sherry Helbert. Come on up, guys. Thank you all so much for all you do. 
I say this all the time. I could never, this church would not function without the leadership team here at this church. I am overwhelmed and cannot thank enough uh, the, the, the help that they give. Uh, I know you know this, but each of our deacons got different responsibilities. Brother Tim takes care of this facility here and does a spectacular job of it. Brother Tim, Miss Sherry, we love you guys. Thank you all so much. <clears throat> Smile up. There you go. Thank you. Who's next? Brother and Sister Upchurch, come on, make your way up here if you would, please. We love you guys. Brother and Sister Upchurch, take care of our senior saints ministry and so many other things. He's a bus driver, does so much stuff for us. We appreciate them so much. Love you guys. Merry Christmas. Thank you all. Appreciate you all. Give them a big round of applause. Smile big. Here, man. Thank you. Brother Gerald and Miss Brenda. Miss Brenda's not here. She's on vacation. Brother Gerald, smiling. Here, man. Here, man. She's in New York, and he got to stay home. Amen. Thank you, Brother Gerald. Brother Gerald takes care of our vehicles, does a spectacular job. We love you, Brother. I'll be your wife. Do not put that on social media. Amen. That's the last thing I need. Brother Larry, Miss Pam, come on up here, guys. Brother Larry, uh, did our sign. We don't have it out there. We're going to get a new one here shortly. Of course, Miss Pam takes care of our child care center. We love you guys. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. For those of you who did not know, Brother, how many? Brother Larry was a sniper in the U.S. military. I like having him here. Amen. Amen. We love you all. Thank you all so much. Let me get my girdle on. Amen. Thank you, guys. Brother, Brother Ed, Miss Susan. No. Brother Ed, Miss Donna Nichols. Come on up here, guys. Amen. I'm sure I'm not the first one to call you Susan. Amen. Appreciate this couple so very much. So supportive of the ministries here at the church. We love them and appreciate them so much. This is big. Amen. Y'all match today, black and white and red. Good job. Amen. Give a big round of applause, Brother Ed and Miss Donna. Thank y'all. Love you. And uh, last and certainly not least, uh, uh, Brother and Sister Coffee. Brother Coffee does so much around here uh, from our sound system, does so much design work. Miss Lisa plays the organ. And my goodness, we could not function without this couple. We thank you so much for their love and support of our church. And I know I say it all the time. These folks uh, are, are the backbone of the church. I could not do what I do without them. Brother Coffee, we love you guys. Appreciate you all so very much. Wish you all a Merry Christmas. Smile big. Thank you all. One more time, would you let them know we appreciate it? Amen. Thank you, church leadership. We love you all so very much. Uh, let me get all the little ones up here now this morning, heading to Children's Church and Junior Church. Uh, all the little ones heading to Children's Church and Junior Church. If you're visiting, they're going to come around and collect any loose change that you've got. We call this our penny march, uh, and this gives them the opportunity to raise a little bit of money for children's programming and ministries here at the church. Take off, young folks. Any loose change you got, they're going to come around and collect it this morning.
right, all the little ones, come make your way. I think they're already gone. Amen. All right, fellas, come on and make your way down this morning, if you would, please. Josh, you come get ready to sing for us. You be obedient unto the Lord this morning as you give your tithes and offerings. to God's been good. Amen. And I'm glad to see you. Thank you for being here. We're going to pray and ask God's blessings upon the offering. And then Brother Joshua is going to sing for us. Father, we are so honored and humbled to come into your house. Uh, Lord, this, this Sunday before Christmas, it gives us time to reflect upon the greatest gift that was ever given. Lord, the gift that we received this year might come under the tree. The greatest gift that was ever given was nailed to a tree. And Lord, we are so thankful for that opportunity. Lord, any day is a good day to thank you for sending your son that we might have life and have it more abundantly. But this Sunday before Christmas, help us to pause just a moment and celebrate the fact that the baby in a manger became a lamb on the cross and is now a risen king. Thank you for what this time of the year means. Bless Josh as he sings now in Christ's name. Amen. Once I was clothed in the rags of my sin Wretched and poor, lost and lonely within But with wondrous compassion, the King of all kings In pity and love took me under child of the King, His royal blood now flows in my veins, and I who was wretched and poor now can see, praise God, praise God, I'm a child child with a heavenly home my holy father has made me his own now i'm cleansed by his blood and i'm clothed in his love and someday i'll sing with the angels above oh yes Oh yes, I'm a child of the King, His royal blood now flows in my veins, and I who was wretched and poor now can sing, praise God, praise God, I'm a child of the God, praise God, I'm a child of the King. Good job, brother. 
Amen. Let's stand together one more time. Page 423, Joy to the World. Page 423. We'll do that first verse, course, Fellowship a while. Page 423. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing amen fellowship wow
Amen. Thank you so much. Matthew chapter number two, if you would please, this morning in your Bibles. Matthew chapter number two this morning. We will read uh, the first 16 verses this morning. Matthew chapter number two is where we'll begin. And again, we will read the first 16 verses. This is a passage of scripture that is usually associated with Christmas. But as you understand, as we've talked about, as we've even mentioned repeatedly on various Sundays, uh, this in all likelihood did not occur, but was rather uh, some two years later. And I'll give you uh, some evidence of why scholars believe that the visit of the Magi actually occurred some two years after the birth of Christ. Let's begin reading in verse number 1, and we'll read down through verse number 16. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes, of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Notice uh, the ver next verse says, uh, verse 5, They said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. And Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When they were come into the house, they saw the young child. Notice it doesn't say baby. They saw the young child with Mary his mother. We hear nothing about Joseph. And fell down and worshipped him. When they'd opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. Being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they, parted and they departed into their country another way. When they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise! Take the young child and his mother, flee into Egypt. Be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child 
and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken out of the which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Verse 16. Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Bless now this important time of the hour, Lord, not because I'm doing it, because preaching is what you hath ordained as the instrument through which you would speak to people. Lord, if there's a lost soul here, I pray that this Sunday before Christmas would be their day of salvation. And Lord, may you strengthen all of us to walk out of here more encouraged to fight the good fight of faith every day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. When I mention the word wisdom, what comes to mind? For so many, they associate or they equate intelligence and wisdom as being the same. I will submit to you, though it would take a long time to talk about, those two things are not quite the same. Scripture tells us that the beginning of knowledge, beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. May I say to you this morning that these wise men, and we don't know the number, we typically associate them with three, we'll talk about that in the message, that these wise men exhibited both wisdom and intelligence. They were, by all accounts, uh, men of great learning and understanding. But beyond that, these were men who, in addition to what we might associate with book learning, they were men who had the fear of God as evidenced by the fact uh, they understood the Scripture, they understood the prophecy, uh, and was willing to travel uh, some two years' journey to address and to meet this newborn King of the Jews. There was, or there is, a Chicago-based engineer who last year designed a program that would ask and answer a very simple, yet I think profoundly important question. Here was his question. Who were the smartest people who ever lived and who made the most impact upon our world? Let me say this again. This Chicago-based engineer created a program that would ask and answer the simple question. Who were the smartest people who ever lived and what were their respective impacts upon the world? The Inquiry began with an understanding that the smartest people who ever lived would have a baseline IQ of at least 200. Let me put that in perspective. Average IQ is 100. Someone with 120 IQ is considered smart. Someone with 140 IQ is considered a genius. So this program began with a baseline that these individuals would have at least a 200 IQ, which would put them in the top one-tenth of one percent of intelligence in our country or in our world. For perspective, uh, that means uh, that they are among the best of the best, the most elite of the elite. This engineer ranked these candidates in their personal field, the top 40. 
Certainly other lists like this have been produced, but this particular list has received worldwide acclaim because of its soundness of representation. If you'll indulge me for just a moment, I want to give you what this engineer says were the top five people and tell you what their contributions were. Number five, James Clerk Maxwell. You may not have heard of Mr. Maxwell. He was a mathematical physicist, led the field of quantum theory, and paved the way for Einstein. His most accomplishment or his most notable achievement was the formula to what we think of today as the classical theory of electromagnetic radiation. Number four, you've heard of this one, Sir Isaac Newton. Famous philosopher, astronomer, physicist, and mathematician who was famous for formulating the theory of universal gravitation. Number three, Leonardo da Vinci, a Renaissance painter, an architect, a musician, a writer, an inventor. Painted the Mona Lisa, the Sistine Chapel, and envisioned something that we know of today as helicopters before anyone even imagined they could exist. Number two, Albert Einstein. A physicist whose name is actually a synonymous with IQ. He was responsible for the field of theory of relativity, to which much to his own disappointment led to the eventual creation of the atomic bomb. Number one, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Most folks have never heard of Goethe. He was a polymath engineer who pioneered the field of human chemistry. Here's what I love. Goethe considered himself not only a Christian, but as a man of profound intellect, he wrote prolifically on the fact that the Christian faith, without a doubt, uh, was the ultimate, best, truest, and rational embrace of religion found anywhere in the world. Why am I sharing all of this? What does all of this matter? All five of these individuals believed in God. And four of the five professed to be devout, born-again Christians. I want to say that again for you to absorb that. Because in modern 21st century society, we are taught that faith is fuzzy and that you cannot be a person of great intellect and wisdom and believe in God and nothing could be further from the truth. The five men whose science almost universally agrees are the smartest people to have ever breathed a breath in this world. All five of them believed in God and four of the five openly professed to be born-again Christians. Here's what I want you to walk out of here with this morning, folks. You do not have to check your brain and intellect at the back door to celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive and well. You do not have to be somebody uh, who is not a wise thinker. You do not have to be somebody uh, who is not prone to wisdom and understanding. Contrary to what the world believes, uh, you can be a born-again believer and still a wise person. So I want to give you a message this morning that talks about the wisdom of wise men. The wisdom of wise men. Four things that we'll look at very quickly Related to this story found in Matthew 2. Number one, I want you to note with me their curiosity. The curiosity of these individuals. Scripture tells us that they came from the east. We make some associations that that was Babylon in search of Jerusalem to see the Christ child, the king of the Jews. They traveled a distance that scholars under universal agreement was at least 18 months, but probably closer to two years. 
Verses 1 and 2, for the sake of time, we'll not read them again. But verses 1 and 2 tells us that there was a distinct wonder that appeared in the heavens. Mr. Nay and Miss Lisa were just playing the song a minute ago about beautiful star of Bethlehem. May I say to you this morning that this great star appeared in the heavens and these wise men began their journey east to west. They left their homes They left their families, they left the comforts of their life to a strange land to search out the king of the Jews. I don't know, and Scripture doesn't tell us how many they were. We often associate it as being three because of the three gifts. There could have been as few as two. There could have been 20 or 30. We have no idea. There's a lot of extra biblical texts that suggest there were three, but we make some assumptions there. What I want you to get and what I want you to understand is that what they focused upon was finding this Christ child so that they could worship him. I want to say that again. Their focus was to find the Christ child, the king of the Jews, so that they, non-Jews, could worship this child. I want you to understand, folks, and I know if you've been in church for any length of time, you recognize this, but Christmas is not just a holiday. It is, in fact, a holy day that is celebrated and set up to worship the fact that God's own Son was birthed into the universe, took upon himself the robe of flesh to become the Lamb of God. Notice, not only do you see the distinct wonder, verse 23 says they left a different way. I love this. There's much that we can associate there uh, because of what was going on with Herod, uh, because of the dream that God had given them, uh, because of what Herod was doing. uh, They left after their visit with the child. uh, They did not leave the same way they came. Now, that's actually speaking geographically. It's speaking about the direction. Uh, They went a different way. Uh, But can I make an application this morning? Uh, When you have a a one-on-one encounter with Jesus Christ, uh, when you see him for who he really is, uh, and you see you for who you really are, uh, you cannot help but leave a different way. You come as a lost sinner, but you can walk away as a glorified saint. You come with the weight of sin upon your shoulders, but you can walk out of there a born-again believer in his name. Number one this morning, curiosity of these wise men. Notice, secondly, the contempt of the surroundings. The contempt of the surroundings. It should not take us by surprise that when the wise men got to Jerusalem, they went to the ruler. They went to the leader. And, of course, you know this already. The leader in that day was the man that we call Herod. Notice there was a search. Herod becomes very troubled at the thought of another king. Herod was a wicked man. Of course, he's the ruler of the region, not of the empire, but the ruler of the area. Governor, if you will, wanted to destroy anyone or anything that might threaten his reign. James wrote about this in our production. Herod was one of the wickedest, uh, most sinfully sick men who ever lived. He was truly desperate to hold on to power and thought his own family uh, was a threat, so he ordered their execution. It's not a surprise uh, that he ordered the execution of children under the age of two. Herod was a wicked man, and I submit to you this morning that there is no doubt in my mind that Herod was under the influence of Satan. That won't sit well with modern pop psychology, but I will submit to you this morning uh, that Satan's biggest challenge uh, was to keep Jesus from getting to the cross. 
Satan's greatest ploy was to stop the baby from being born. He couldn't do that. So throughout the 30 years of earthly life, he tried to stop the child from getting it to the cross. He couldn't do that. When Jesus began his ministry, he threw temptation after test after trial. And even in the Garden of Gethsemane, Satan was there trying to keep him from the cross. One of the great themes to study in Scripture is even from the time of the Garden of Eden up until Calvary, how Satan tried to stop the crucifixion from happening. Aren't you glad this morning that our God is stronger than Satan, that despite his best efforts, he was not able to keep the Lamb from the cross? And even today, he tries to keep people away from the cross. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Notice, not only... Was there a search? It was also a slaughter. This is the part of the story that is often difficult to digest. Assuming, as I believe happened, the star appeared the night Jesus was born. We know that was the case. Understanding that it was at that point that these wise men, these magi, began their journey. Taking some 18 months to two years to get there, they reach Herod. As for the king of the Jews, Herod becomes enraged that there was another king besides him and orders based upon their questions or based upon their response. How long ago did you see the star? How far away did you come? He orders the execution of all children under the age of two. Can you imagine? We talk about that and almost because it is so familiar to us, it loses its impact. It loses. It becomes too familiar to us. I don't want to be too gross or too graphic. But imagine children being ripped out of mama's arms. Imagine the screams throughout Israel as all the Jewish children were executed in an attempt to destroy Christ. In an attempt to remove, listen to what I'm about to say, in an attempt to to remove Christ from Christmas, he orders the execution of all the children. Would you listen to me this morning? Fast forward some 2,000 years and things haven't changed a whole lot. This is not going to be politically correct, but I'm going to be blunt. Uh, There is still a satanic campaign to remove Christ from Christmas. Amen. There is no reason other than to get the Christ out of Christmas uh, that this ideology exists. Uh, Notice number one this morning, the curiosity. Number two, the contempt. Number three, the clarity. May I make a simple statement? Wise men, smart people still search for Jesus. The smartest people I know, and I'm fortunate to get to rub shoulders with some grand intellect. But the smartest people I know still search for Jesus. Notice, if you would, what I'm going to call the rising of the star. This is a little bit of Gregology, but scholars are in pretty much in agreement with this. That after the conversation with Herod, the star appears again. Notice what Scripture says. Verse number 9. When they heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw, past tense, in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Two years ago, approximately, the star appeared 
these wise men from the east made their journey going the general direction in which the star was. Uh, these were learned men. Some even called them astrologers because they studied the heavens. Uh, they knew the location of the stars. Uh, they recognized the fact that this was unusual proliferation. Uh, and so they began to follow that star knowing what Scripture said, knowing about the prophecy. After the conversation with Herod, listen to what I'm about to say, and Herod did not know the location of the king, uh, they're now at a loss. How will they find him? How will they give the child the gifts that they brought? And as if on cue, God drops that star into the heavens one more time. As if on cue, God allows that star to twinkle one more time. And scripture says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. The star represented the child. The star, amen, represented the Savior. Would to God that we Baptists would rejoice with the same celebration those wise men did. Would to understand this morning, uh, all the think back, church, of all the things in your life uh, and how God, listen, and how God orchestrated the events in your life to get you to Jesus. Think of what you had to go through. Think of the trials that you went through. Think of the circumstances that God navigated you through, all to get you to Jesus. What a good God we serve. Notice. Not only the, the, the rising of the star, but the revealing of the Savior. I love this part. These are things that are fascinating to me. Scripture says in verse number 11, when they were coming to the house, again, the house, not the barn, not the manger, when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child, not the baby, with Mary, his mother, and nowhere do we see Joseph. Again, Joseph was probably, as the father, at work. Or out doing something, tending to his fatherly duties or his husbandly duties, wherever. Joseph was not there. I often wondered what had to go through Mary's heart. As yet again, some strange people showed up. As yet one more time, people she did not know uh, came knocking on her door, uh, and she had to say, who is it? And they say, we come to see your baby. So she lets them in. And notice what it says next. This is my favorite part of the story. They fell down and worshipped him. They fell down and worshipped him. They didn't worship Mary. They didn't worship Joseph. Why? Those were human folks. They don't need to be worshipped. They were sinners who had to be saved just like everybody else. They fell down and worshipped a toddler. Let me be gross. A toddler who pooped his diaper like all the other toddlers. A toddler who spit up and cooed like every other toddler. A, he was a boy. So when you took the diaper off, you better duck. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you've never changed a boy's diaper. Amen. That's right. They will let you experience it right up here. Amen. And I don't mean Cameron. Amen. <laughs> Imagine you're the mother of a toddler. Two years of age, terrible twos, getting into everything. And here comes the wisest people on the planet. They walk in your front door and they're on their knees worshiping. May I pause a moment and say, if they can worship, how much more should we worship? 
if they can recognize him for who he is, how much more we should recognize him for who he is. They saw the star, they rejoiced. They saw the child, they worshipped. How'd they know who he was? How'd they understand who he was? I submit to you, they were wise enough to understand the prophets of old. They knew the scriptures. They knew the prophecy. They knew the, the fact that this was not just a boy named Jesus. This was the Son of God, the Messiah, the Emmanuel, God with us, the Savior of the world. These wise men from the east saw the child, worshipped him. Number one, the curiosity. Number two, the contempt. Number three, the clarity. And finally, number four, the Christ. I have tried to imagine the joy and the splendor they must have felt as they came into this house. Now, we fill in a lot of gaps for dramatic purpose. Here's some things that I want you to be very clear on. Mary and Joseph were people of poverty. I talked about this on Wednesday night. You go back and read Luke chapter number 2. Don't do it right now, but you go back and read Luke chapter 2 and juxtapose that with Deuteronomy and Leviticus, and you will find that when they came for the redemption of the child, 40, years of, 40 days old, they bring the child to the tabernacle. They could not afford to bring a lamb as the law requires. They brought the poor man's offering, the gift of turtle doves or pigeons. That's all they could afford. Carpentry work uh, back then was not a work that produced a lot of income. These were people of poverty. By all accounts, these individuals were not just wise, uh, they were wealthy. They'd have to be to make a two years journey. I mean, who can afford to get off work for two years and bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh if you don't have money? Most scholars believe that they brought an entourage with them. We try to portray just a little of that. But the reality is it could be much bigger and grander than anything we think about. This entourage makes its way into a little bitty house where Mary and her son are there. Daddy's nowhere to be found. They worship him and they immediately present gifts. By the way, it's from this story that we get one of our greatest traditions of giving gifts at this holiday. They gave the gifts that we all know about, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Hear me what I'm about to say. These are important because mama and daddy are getting ready to have to flee to Egypt. Listen, they're going to need a source of livelihood. They're going to need some way to pay the bills to keep food on the table. And when you are a foreigner in a foreign land, you don't immediately take up your chosen profession. But so God orchestrated everything so that Mary and Joseph would take with them not only the child, but gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Not only do I want you to see the significance of these gifts, but listen, I want you to notice the symbolism of these gifts. They may sound unusual to us because, remember, this is a child of poverty, but these are very common gifts that you'd give royalty. First of all, there's gold. You probably know this already. Gold is a symbolic gift of kingdom, symbolic gift that you would give a king. When you go all the way back to Solomon's 
temple, if you will, paved, overlaid with gold, worth in today's economy some $4 billion. It was a symbol of wealth. It was a symbol of royalty. It symbolized the fact that this child was a king. Frankincense. What a strange gift. When you study what frankincense is, you begin to realize that it's a perfect gift. You see, these are men who came from the east, if you will. And in eastern culture, incense was typically burned for a deity. Incense was also burned in the tabernacle in the wilderness or in the temple. It was a way to give a sweet-smelling aroma to the nostrils of God. So when you understand that frankincense was very rare, it symbolized the fact of worshiping a deity. My wife has at the house now a little bottle of frankincense. As wonderful as it is, it stinks. Amen. It's a powerful, pungent aroma. And a little drop will permeate the entire room where it is. We don't know how much was given, but I do believe it was not a little. Gold. Symbol of deity. Symbol of king, rather. Frankincense, a symbol of deity. Myrrh. What is myrrh? This may surprise you to know, myrrh is embalming fluid. It would be used, I don't want to be too gross, but because burials were very different than what they are today. Typically when someone died, the body, again, pardon my being graphic, but the body would be kept in the home for some seven or eight days until the family would arrive for what would be a traditional Jewish or, or Israeli uh, a, a funeral procession, if you will. Again, pardon me being graphic, but you understand that a decaying body has an aroma. Go back in description, you will see the day after the crucifixion, the ladies are going to the temple to do what? Anoint the body with spices for burial. To overcome the smell of the decay, myrrh was the preferred ointment to anoint a dead body. What a strange gift to give a child. But not so strange when you realize the child was born to die. Not so strange when you realize that the cost of myrrh was by ounce worth more than gold. Not so strange that when you realize that myrrh associated with spikenard, the same thing that would be anointed on the feet of Jesus and on the head of Jesus by Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, when you come to realize that myrrh was necessary because why? This was no ordinary baby. He was born to die. So a two-year-old toddler who I guarantee you had no idea what was happening in front of him. A two-year-old toddler laying perhaps in a cradle that his daddy made with his own hands is there cooing and awing as the grandest, wisest men that day presented before him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Renee, honey, come to the piano. Hold on, Brother Ken. There is a song that we often sing at this time of year. Like so many of the Christmas carols, we only know the first verse. I think one of the great things when we get to heaven, we're going to find out as Baptists that there are more than three verses to a hymn. Because we sing first, second, and last verse, and by golly, if there's a third or fourth, it just ain't going to get sung. <laughs> but when we get to heaven, we'll find out there's a lot of verses. And I don't think there is a song that more beautifully typifies the Christmas story than we three kings. It's in your hymn book, but if you'll indulge me, I want to just read it to you this morning and encourage you just to listen. 
We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts. We travel so far. Field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. Born a king on Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring to crown him again. King forever, ceasing never over us all to reign. Frankincense to offer have I, incense owns a deity is nigh. Praying and praising all men raising, worship him, God most high. Myrrh is mine, its bitter perfume, breathes of life, of gathering gloom. Sorrow, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed inside the stone-cold tomb. Glorious now, behold him arise, King and God in sacrifice. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Earth to heaven replies. Star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading Still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. May I close this morning by simply saying this. Wise people still look for Jesus. Stand to your feet this morning. Brother Ken, come get us a song to sing. Whatever you want to sing this morning, buddy. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Thank you for your patience. You've been very kind this morning to listen with attention. So I'll ask you two simple questions today. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody's looking. I recognize many of you have already been to the altar. But I'll say to you once again, our altar is always open. I'll ask you two things. Number one, this morning you say, Pastor Greg, I recognize him. I know who he is. I have no doubt in my mind that he's the light of my life, Lord of my life. I'm born again and proud to admit it. Would you put your hand up? Don't be ashamed. All over the building. I appreciate your candor, your kindness. You can put it down. There's a couple of folks who didn't raise your hand. Perhaps you were embarrassed too, or perhaps you don't know him as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Nobody's looking. If you're here this morning and you have never been saved, you know about him, but you don't know him as Lord of your life. You'd like me to pray for you this morning. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to pray that this day would be the day of salvation. Would you just slip that hand up? Anyone be honest this morning, Pastor, pray for me. I'm lost. Anyone this morning? I have a second question this morning, and we'll be done. Pastor, I'm saved, but there is a major crisis, an event, or circumstances, a trial in my life, and I need divine intervention. I need God to give me the answer. Anyone like that this morning? Put your hand up. Boy, I'm seeing a lot of hands. I appreciate your honesty. I'm going to ask Brother Ken to sing one verse for us this morning. If you lifted your hand, step out right now. Make your way down to this old altar. Come on. Worship him just like the three wise men of yesterday. Would you come this morning? Brother Ken, come on.
first verse together and love this song, Brother King. Can we sing it? Have thine own way all over. Have thine own way. Sister Marie Solomon has come to join our church this morning. Saved. I had the privilege of baptizing her myself. And I wrote this down in my uh, Bible years ago. when she, uh, A couple years ago when she came forward to get saved. Her sister came up to me. Miss Linda said, I've been praying for my sister for 30 years. And she got saved today. Can I, and I looked at her and I said, thank God you didn't quit after 29 years. Amen. 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 Someone make it all in favor if you'll say aye. All any opposed. I want you to come forward. You stay there, Miss Marie. You can stay there. She's got the cane. You all understand. We'll let her stay there. I want you to come around and shake hands. Extend her the right hand of fellowship. Let her know you love her this morning. And all those that will please help me downstairs, we got to get that transformed back into a child care center. Because in a moment, in an hour, when you think not, the Department of Social Services shall appear. Amen. Brother Kent, dismiss us in prayer. Heavenly Father, and God, we are thankful, Lord, for this place you've given us, God, just to be able to come together as a family and worship you. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, and allowing him, God, to come to this earth to die for old rotten sinners like us. God, we're nothing but just old wretch, but Father, we sure are thankful, Lord, for your salvation. I thank you, Lord, for allowing your son, God, to go to Calvary's cross and suffer that cruel death, Lord. God, I'm sure I'm thankful, Lord, that he didn't just die, Father, but he lived again. Father, he raised, conquered death, hell, and the grave, God, to give us life, give it more abundantly. Father, thank you for Miss Solomon. Lord, her desire to join the church. Father, may it be a blessing to her and her to us. God, she's already been a blessing to us. Father, for her heart to serve you. God, I sure do thank you, Lord, for your many blessings today. God, bless your people as we go our separate ways. God, looking forward for the next time we can meet back together. God, we sure do love you this morning. Thank you for loving us first. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen.